everyone. Hi, everybody. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy 2021. Uh, welcome to The Grid is for Squares. This is a podcast where we smoke a bowl uh-huh. and talk about building a sustainable off-grid property yeah. in California. Yeah, near I'm, Yosemite. I'm Vince. I'm Amy. And where are we today in California? T- today we are recording from our property. Only the second time after all of this, only the second time we've actually recorded on the property. Yeah. Do you remember when it was? It was spring. We were down in Big Agnes, a couple feet from here in a tent. Yeah, it couldn't have been too late in the spring because, oh no, we did already have the greenhouse. I was just concerned about the acoustics. So I made everybody okay. pile into the tent to record instead. But we're recording in the greenhouse today because, A, there's we don't really set up the tent anymore. We just live in the greenhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, Acoustics be damned. And B, we've filled it with a lot more stuff in the meantime. So I'm hoping that it kind of, you know, mm-hmm. all of the bedding and many piles of shit <laughs> absorb our voices instead of just echoing it around the greenhouse, 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 greenhouse. greenhouse. Yes, we apologize for the inconsistency and overtones and uh, (laughs) room tone reverb. I'm sure you've all noticed. We're very, (laughs) very sorry. I'm not sorry. (laughs) No regrets. We do our best. 21, no regrets. Yeah, we do our best. That's the theme for today, isn't it? Uh, The theme for this trip. We've accomplished some stuff, though, yeah? Yeah. The most exciting stuff we want to talk about is some space heating off the grid. Yeah. A couple different space heating experiments finally came to fruition. Yeah. We've talked and talked and talked a lot about, you know, all the little things. As we did the, the, built up the greenhouse, we put the vinyl tubing in the floor. I wasn't even really sure how I was going to use it at the time. I just knew that it'd be a lot easier to lay tubing before sand and right. flooring. And we put two little, four little stubs outside mm-hmm. that we finally figured out this time around. Yeah. So as just a reminder, if you haven't listened or if you forgot, as we were building the greenhouse, well, after we built the structure of the greenhouse, but as we were working on the floor, we put down a layer of sand and then we coiled some, you said vinyl tubing? Yep, half inch vinyl tubing. So it's not the kind that's officially sanctioned for such uh, uses, right? There is actual tubing that's made yeah, for... Yeah, usually they use pecs. Right, um, pecs, yes. Yeah, but this, you know, I did the research and, and typically it's like three eighth inch pecs or half inch pecs that they lay down in the floor on a grid or on a little curvy grid because the tubing bends. Um, in this case, it's vinyl tubing. It's rated for 90 degrees Celsius, so it can wow. it can take the heat. Um, and we used long, continuous strands so that we didn't end up with any fittings right. under the under the sand and under the mat because you know fittings are where you're going to have failures from that extra heat. We've gone through a few different iterations or you know designs for how exactly it's going to work yeah it's not as simple as just plugging in a water heater to it it's got to circulate it has to heat up along the way it's it's absorbing a lot of cold from the floor so Mm -hmm. it has to be a continuous kind of heat source so we did a lot of brainstorming about it i would love to say it was my brainchild you know i I did a lot of the the legwork and the initial research for like materials and tubing spacing and stuff. But once we got back there, Amy like did a lot of research too and found um, actually in the, in the world of winemaking and beer Mm, making, uh, they have a lot of um, coils, metal coils, um, which was an idea I kind of had 
a while ago, like putting a copper coil in the fire right. to heat up that way, but I couldn't find something like this. I just didn't do the work. So Amy did the legwork. Yeah, because initially, or at least the last time we talked about this on the last episode, you were still thinking in terms of like a two barrel solution, right? Right. Where you have two metal barrels, one nests inside the other. And you or build just... a fire around the inside Right, barrel. or you put coals in the bottom part yeah. of it and then fill the water in the top part of it. Yep. Of like metal. a double boiler, except that the water's in the top part and there's coals in the bottom part. Yeah, exactly. And then a pump inside the, the water part to circulate it. Right. So I'd found the pump. Um, a pump that could handle heat as well mm -hmm. and it was 12 volt and you know had pretty low wattage because we're running off of batteries here we're right. running off the yeti right um we'll talk about that more in a minute yeah but amy found the coil and so we ordered well yeah that. i was looking we were looking for barrels right because that was still the paradigm because i didn't understand it enough to really be able to like redesign it for you i thought i just you said metal barrel and so i was looking for metal barrels yep um and just there wasn't anything available. I couldn't find anything. Or they're really expensive. Or they're really expensive. Yeah. It was like a couple hundred dollars. Yeah, right? you can get a good stainless like hobo barrel uh -huh. from Uline, new, for like 700 bucks. And what kind of hobo has 700 bucks? <laughs> Where do hobos get and also, stainless like, steel barrels? How would you get that shipped to you? You know, yeah, something right. as big as a friggin' hobo I think, barrel? Yeah, shipping adds another hundred. Hobo is not the preferred nomenclature, please. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so. I don't, honestly, I don't even know what got me on the coil instead. Did you suggest it? At one point early on, I'd suggested a coil. Yeah. And I thought maybe that we'd need something like that anyway, even with the... Uh-huh. So we kind of nixed the barrel and thought, well, we can just dig a pit and let the earth, you know, be our barrel. Be our, our insulator, insulator, yeah. But then you just need to have something that you can run water through that can also take a bunch of heat from the outside. Right. I think I might have Googled heat transfer coil. Smart. Um, and yeah, it kept showing me all of these brewing coils, which when I thought about it, like kind of made sense. Not that brewers are putting like live embers <laughs> inside of their barrels, but you know, pretty mm -hmm. high temperatures all the same. Boiling water and yeah. Yeah. Also, I knew we were going up for New Year's and that it was going to be ass cold and that if I was going to stay after what happened last time and it was really cold and I sort of had a panic attack and it was no good, I was like... I really, really, if if we're going to make this heated floor work, now is the time. Like, proof of concept, now please, because yeah. I'm going to be coming up, and it's going to be 31 degrees overnight, and that ain't going to be the world that I want to live in. So, like, if we're going to do it, let's do it, please. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, you know, it took a little bit of doing to find a coil that would ship to us within a week during Coming up the, on the holidays, holiday season. yeah, the pandemic holiday we really should have, you know, we're planning it as best we can, you know, mm -hmm. ahead of time. But like, there's just so many moving pieces all yeah. the time. But, you know, it all worked out this yeah. time because it gave my mom and I a head start to to get up here and, and work out all the other nuts and bolts uh -huh. and know, you know, where the coil is going to plug in. I knew the exact fitting size, mm -hmm. so I made sure to just have all the parts ready um and we tried just with our reservoir and the pump uh -huh. um so yeah in the new setup it's a just a one gallon stainless steel reservoir we put you know water in there uh -huh. and the pump it was in like there. a compost bucket right that yeah. was the product technically it has a compost bucket yeah. nice stainless steel lid so it can hold up to the heat too mm -hmm. so before we had the coil mom and i just set it up in the ground put some charcoal around it put yeah. some uh embers from the fire around it and 
just tried it that way the first night. Oh, so many doggy sides. Come here, Dickens. Get Dickens a little more Dickens is on comfy. the bed with us, and he is not having a great time. Uh, he is itchy well, just, and chilly. Hey, at the moment, he's not having a great time. He was bounding around on boulders earlier today. He has fun. Yeah, I would say that 25% of the time he has more fun and enjoys his life more than he does in L- LA mm-hmm. and 75% of the time he it's wishes less. he was not here which I hate to say is kind of where I'm at yeah I would say 25% of the time it's actively better than mm-hmm. being home in LA because it's beautiful because it's different because it's simpler because I don't have to worry about emails or phone calls because you know because of all the reasons that we came up here it's 75% of the time it's just hard and cold yeah so we were working working to remedy that 75% and Amy gave us a very reasonable threshold of 40 40 degrees degrees. I was willing to sleep at 40 degrees but no colder yeah so we had our ambition and the first night we tried it I knew it wasn't really you and your mom yeah yeah yeah. um there are still shortcomings in the design which I'm aware of and you know we'll try to fix in future iterations but for now, we built a fire. It maybe maintained. I was kind of feeling a little difference in the hot send and the cold return, uh-huh. which is how you know it's working. Uh-huh. What was really encouraging is at one point, we just kept dumping like almost boiling water into the reservoir uh-huh. and it would pump out hot and it would come back cold. cold so you know that it's depositing that heat right, in, the, least, in the floor. Yeah, yeah. At least it's working efficiently if, you know, an entire reservoir of boiling water can come back cold. Right. So then we realize, like, this is why we have to have the coil. We have to give it continuous heat. Right. You know, surrounded by 600-degree embers constantly. Right, because if you just boil the water and put it in the reservoir and throw the pump in there, if it's doing its job it like you say returns cold water and Mm -hmm. then that lasts for the one time that the water winds its way around the Mm -hmm. floor through the floor and then you're back to cold water right and we thought that building a fire around the one gallon reservoir would Uh be enough like we could kind of touch the outside and Uh feel it was very very hot right right above the embers obviously (laughs) but then you reach your hand inside and the water is cold cold Uh cold um, what kind of insulative properties does stainless steel have? Is it pretty... It's pretty conductive. Okay, yeah. It's not great. It's also really thin. So it comes down to whatever you're putting out. But, you know, the air around it, we're not losing that much heat yeah. to the surrounding air as much as we're gaining heat from the embers. But the stainless steel itself provides nothing. It's it's like it's not there. I mean, which is kind of what you want, right? Right. You want it to really quickly transfer the heat. Did a lot of research into conductivity uh various materials yeah not just the stainless steel but also the sand uh the tubing doesn't have a whole lot of conductivity uh but the sand well that's complicated dry sand is a very good insulator which is Um, the opposite of being a good conductor yeah okay and in this case it's not what we want um right because we want the sand to transfer the heat up to the floor not to insulate the tube I managed to find this really good study where their cross-section was pretty much like ours with the tubing maybe two inches below the surface. Uh-huh. And it showed that with the water in the tubing at 120 degrees, you could really only expect like 70 degrees at the surface. That's with dry sand. Uh, the 
other issue we had when we came up here was we noticed mold right. starting to form inside yeah. the greenhouse. Um, when we're always up here, always something, man. It's always something. You think you're so smart putting in your sand and your hermetically sealed. Well, it's nowhere near hermetic. No. Uh, but most of the time when we're up here, we've got the ceiling vents open. We put in our floor vents, but then mm. when we leave, we close it all up because we think, well, we're not living here. What do we care? Right. Well, we don't want critters to get in. Yeah. Um, but instead, we have some colorful mold kind yeah, of starting to form between the bamboo, which is supposed to be mold resistant, and like a yeah, but there's like a fabric backer yeah. beneath the yeah beneath so, the bamboo. My mom's worked in hospitals. She had her cavicide wipe. She went to town on that before. And what is cavicide? Um. I don't know if it's a proper fungicide or if it's viral. I think it just like lays waste to all living things. So you should wear oh, gloves. Good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to spray some concrobium on it. Just another plug there. Cavicide wipes and concrobium prevents um, fungus. Hmm. Anyway, I digress. Yep. The the root cause of the fungus is wet sand, right. which is another issue. So we had totally dry sand, laid it in in the summer, mm -hmm. but it got wet and it stayed wet. But in this case, that's working to our advantage because wet sand is way more conductive. Yes. Um, yeah, for a hot minute at, back in L.A., you were talking about finding ways of wetting the sand right. intentionally to increase the effectiveness of the in-floor heating. Yeah. <laughs> Mother Nature did it for us, yep. I guess. <laughs> um, but for better or worse, um, I guess better in this case. Yeah. Um, it, better it really and worked. worse. Better and worse. Mold, but also better in floor heating. Yeah. So Amy got up here on New Year's Eve day, yep. brought the glorious coil. We hooked yes. it up and started a raging fire early on. We're back in fire season. Yep. Or rather, <laughs> the season in which you can in have fires. In which you fires. can have fires. Anti-fire Anti season, yes. Yep. Uh, just had a rager and I kept taking my flat transfer shovel and dumping the embers in. We didn't want live flames cause it's pretty close to the greenhouse. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we just kind of kept filling it with embers and yeah, you kept taking all these trips with a shovel full of yeah. blazing hot coals and I, everything is so wet right now that it really like, I felt very safe, but just imagining a few short months ago, the idea of like balancing coals, live coals on a shovel and walking it through the wood, like walking it through the tight little corridor yeah. next to the greenhouse. It's funny how much the environment here changes so quickly. Yeah. But um, anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to derail you. No, I was just you're thinking fine. about you and those coals on the shovel and, yeah. and how and, strange you know, it was. Buddy system had mom right behind yes. me. We've got tons of water nearby, yes. just ready for anything. Yep. Um, but yeah, I'd go shovel by shovel, dump it in there. And in pretty short order, you know, we had noticeable effects. You know, first of all, the tubing, you feel the difference in there. Yep. You just reach your hand in the reservoir. It starts to feel like a bath. That's a good sign. <laughs> um, and then we put a thermometer on the floor and that, right. that really does take time, mm -hmm. but it really started to creep up. We got it really going as the sun was going down and as the ambient temperatures dropped, degree by degree, the floor kind of rose right. a degree at a time, um, maybe a degree an hour uh -huh. up until the peak. And the peak ended up being at the floor level. Like 55. 55, 56? Starting from 46, we got it up to 55. Which is not nothing. And the cool thing about radiant heating, I still don't fully understand why this is the case, but there's this, uh, the heating profile, if you look at the room from floor up to ceiling. Mm -hmm. Um, 
our bodies spend a lot of time between like two and four feet. So yeah. That's where you want it to be most comfortable. Right. Um, with radiant floor heating, it's a very consistent profile from bottom to top. With convective mm -hmm. heat, with air blowers, most of the heat just goes right up to the top and stays there. Um, but yeah, radiant because it's starting at the bottom right. creates this really stable profile. So the floor was 55. The rest of the room was about 55. Um, so I was really excited just for any result, but mostly getting above 40 degrees, <laughs> the... getting above the critical threshold, yep, yep. right? So I think it got down to about 32 degrees yep. outside overnight and in past trips that meant that it would be about 32 degrees yeah. inside the greenhouse 35 37 yeah maybe a couple of more degrees but not very much so with the temperature as 32 outside what did it what was the lowest that it dipped inside the greenhouse sorry it started at 46 when we started the system right. and it it hovered at 55 yeah. throughout the night so concept proved definitely um the, the biggest difference is just right when you go to bed, yeah. you have that first uncomfortable hour where you're just shivering. Yeah, that's when it's the coldest. It's right away before your body yeah. heat has managed to fill all of the yeah, blankets and comforters. I don't want to say it was unsettling, but it just felt weird to be getting into bed and like, oh, I'm going to take off my socks. I'm going to like... I'm kinda, that seems a bit overkill to me. I'm kind of hot. I'm uh -huh. going to open up my, you know button up or whatever uh -huh. yeah dickens and i always cuddle mm -hmm. and you know we had to keep our distance last night because <laughs> it got toasty it did i mean toasty in the sense <laughs> a stretch that it was warmer than 33 degrees hey some nights in la or some mornings we wake up and it's 58 degrees in our bedroom yeah i think the coldest in recent memory anyway that it's been inside our bedroom in la is 58 degrees in the morning yeah. and it was 56 in here yeah in an uninsulated greenhouse so, with three bodies and a hot dog it was a lot of work between laying all the tubing and we did have to buy the you know couple hundred bucks of sand the steel reservoir we had to buy the steel tube couple hundred bucks coil there. thing yeah. um and the pump yeah that was pretty cheap but at least at least it works yeah and part of it was just to prove the concept right to play around with the technology so that when we build so that... something you know more permanent uh -huh. we want to know that it works yeah so real quick nuts and bolts you want to, in the space of like 45 seconds, can you explain the system? I think Because we've can. been talking for like 20 minutes and I feel like a, a nice, like just brief, quick summary would be nice. Yeah. A uh, quick tour of the system, starting at the Yeti, which is our power supply. Right. Uh, we didn't mention the Yeti. The pump plugs into that and the Yeti has this little button that just turns the power on and off. So it's nice that we can we can turn this system on and off with a button inside the greenhouse, yep. whereas, which is where we're keeping the Yeti. Um, the pump is plugged into that 12 volt DC. And in case you're wondering, it runs at about 20 Watts. So the Yeti could run it. This is a 3000 watt hour Yeti. You do the math. It's, you know, hundred to 200 hours. Um, so then, uh, the pump is in the steel reservoir. Um, it pumps water in the reservoir into the two hot tubing runs there are two hot sends because we have two zones in the greenhouse um and then there are two cold returns that come back um and those go directly into the heating coil which then um 
kind of flows through the embers and the fire and whatever we have in there. And then it dumps the heated water into the reservoir. So the hottest water um, is in the reservoir. So it does require the Yeti battery. It does mm -hmm. require power. A little bit of power. Um, you could probably run it off one of those like car jumpers though. If you have a decent one, like DeWalt makes a good one mm -hmm. for jumping a car and it has a little DC out plug on it. Right. So we don't need as much power generally in the winter because the biggest draw for the power was the refrigerator. Right. Um, which we very much needed in the winter, in the summer, in the hot summer, when it was like mm -hmm. 110 degrees outside, we needed the fridge. But obviously when it's 40 degrees all day, you don't really you don't need, need a refrigerator. refrigerator. However, the the disadvantage in the winter is that there hasn't been very much sun. Yeah. So if we were really living here and we couldn't really get very much off of the solar panels to mm -hmm. charge the Yeti, yeah. I'm not sure how we would continue to use the Yeti. It's an interesting balance, and I think if I had been serious about setting up the solar panels so far while we were here, it, it would be would sustainable. Um, yeah, but it is, you, you hit the nail on the head that in the summer we have the highest power demand, keeping that refrigerator running, but we found that setting up the solar panel, moving it a few times a day, kept the Yeti charged yeah. to make up the balance, and that was Very really cool. sunny in the summer. It's California, you yeah. know? and that, you know... In, in contrast, 20 watts, even if you're running it all day, isn't as, as hungry as that uh, refrigerator. Okay. So I think we could pull um, the it's 480 watt hours we need during mm -hmm. the day with our 200 watt panels, even in the dead of winter, uh -huh. as long as the sun comes out, which is not a given, as long as we don't need power for anything else. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was sort of trying, mm -hmm. waiting my turn to say. Like that's right. in a world where the only things that we power are the fridge in the summer and the water the heat in the, in, the winter. in the winter. But hey, our lighting too is mostly like double A and triple A strip lights, which right. are really efficient LEDs. And those we've been keeping charged and running. Right. However, those we've been using like double a batteries that we charge at home i'm charging them here off the yeti too oh okay well yeah. that's good yeah and those take hardly anything okay so, that's cool yeah lighting's pretty sustainable I'm it's pretty, yeah pretty it's nice to know that setup. without having the you know access to power in la to charge the yeti that we still have some options for yeah for power here um but if you know should the worst happen <laughs> if we haven't the best lost yeah. in the future if we haven't lost you yet and you're really into this, like <laughs> takeaway points are you, you probably can't do any kind of electric heating off the grid. It takes an incredible yeah, amount of power. We ruled that out immediately. Yeah. We tried like a heated blanket with a car jumper and it just doesn't work. No. Um, so yeah, you got to unfortunately get an external heat source like a fire or yeah. something. How or long solar... do you think we could run a space heater, an electric space heater Off on the, Yeti. the full Yeti, which is 3,000? 3,000 watt hours. Space heaters run at about 1,500 watts, so two oh hours. Oh my God. That entire enormous battery bank yeah. and we could run a space heater for two hours. It weighs hours. 75 pounds. One man. time. Yep. So that that's obviously why we like immediately discounted that as an option. Right. Um, and, you know, a useful analog for people out there who are using generators, which God bless mm. them. Um, it's about the same. It's a 3000 watt generator is kind of the standard denomination. They're also pretty heavy, probably not 75 pounds. 
Um, but that's something I'm, I'm exploring as, as a means to recharge. You know, it's like we drive up here to the tune of right. five to, or, you know, 10 gallons of gas. Right. Um, so if it's to keep ourselves powered and warm, you know, it's okay to burn a gallon of gas in your generator yeah. to recharge gas the Yeti. Oh, okay. I was going to say, cause those are pretty loud too. So I wouldn't want to run that. Yeah. At night or anything. And if you do have a generator in Yeti, the most efficient way to use your gas generator is to, you know, run it full blast. They're on or off. Mm. Um, so the best thing you can do with a generator is is run it at full power to charge something like a, a battery bank. Sure. Um, and then run off of that. Hmm. Which I think a lot of people, you know, with RVs and people yeah. living off grid like us do. Gasoline? Is that what most generators do? Gasoline or diesel. Or diesel. Huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not an option that we love, given the, you know, sustainability notions that we have about this place. But Mm -hmm. like Vince said, you know, we do drive up here, you know, we can't, unfortunately, we can't afford literally, capitalistically, we can't afford to be 100% precious with our ideals or just literally nothing would ever happen. Five Tesla walls and solar panels everywhere. Yeah, I mean, that would be great. We would love to do that, but we just can't afford to do that. All of those things have an environmental legacy too. And, you know, we can talk about fires for a minute too. And wood fires are some of the most inefficient, worse for the environment, pretty bad for your health too. It's like AQI 5000 sitting around a fire. Yeah, poking the campfire, standing over Mm -hmm. it. But all of that wood grew on our property. Uh It was sequestered by living things on our property. And we have every intention of restoring it as well. Um, So I feel pretty balanced with, with having bigger fires too. We also see as we're coming into town now, it's been raining and people are just clearing brush mm-hmm. and people will build these big four foot wide piles, yeah, pyres. just pyres, brush fires that, yeah. you know, they light and they walk away and they're, they're nearby enough that they can do something, but they're not using that heat. They're not enjoying right. it. Like this is just hazard mitigation. And so I feel fine about raging bonfires every night. Yeah, it's very primal in a way that I have a hard time mm-hmm. having a philosophical issue with, like cave people lit bonfires to keep yeah. warm you know but it's like cave people uh learning <laughs> paleo heating <laughs> paleo heating but yeah cave people like figuring out technology for themselves that's why i'm so proud of this uh-huh. we we kind of built it from scratch we had you know a lot of raw materials we pulled from different kinds of trades uh-huh. and yeah yeah plumbing brewing yeah Um, a lot of unconventional materials and at the end of the day it's just like a fire and water the kind of the other thing is that the campfire it serves its purpose twice yeah right it keeps us warm in the early evening when we're eating with the active fire itself as we can sit around the fire and then when that dies down and we have those coals we can put them around the coil and heat the floor for when we go inside the greenhouse. So that's cool too, that we get two applications of heat from it, you know? Definitely. We're recycling. We're using every part of the, of the fire. The fire. <laughs> yeah, totally. The fire buffalo. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, really, really excited about that. Really excited about that. Um, and we gilded the lily a little bit on the second night with another kind of yeah. hack, which arguably worked better. Oh my God. Yeah. So efficient. here's the thing. So the in-floor heating cost a whole bunch of money. I mean, not a whole bunch of money, oh, but a, a few hundred dollars. Like 500 bucks probably in all materials. told. Um, 
is incredibly complicated, required so much design and a lot of labor. Three or four dangerous, <laughs> like definitely not up to code aspects of it. And then we were also like, you know, we bought all of these Sterno candles for, for cooking, cooking and, it and it just didn't work because they're meant to warm food. You know, they're not meant to cook food. Yeah. So we just had like dozens of maybe not dozens but we had like a 10 pack I yeah think. of sternos we're like well i wonder if we could just heat the greenhouse with sternos so we yeah. threw four of them into the cast iron pan yeah big put 12 it, quart dutch oven yep um put that on some towels so that it wouldn't scorch the floor if it got too hot lit the can lit the sternos and, and within like <laughs> 10 minutes the temperature in the greenhouse went from 47 to 58. Yeah. <laughs> in 10 degrees in 10 minutes. And you could feel the heat radiating off of it. And we were oh like, my God. let's go get another Sterno just to check one more time that it's okay to burn these right. inside. So we had this idea at home. Yeah. And maybe, we did some yeah. research because we didn't want to asphyxiate ourselves. Like, we're not that foolhardy. Right. We brought a canary. Dickens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and all of our research that we did online at home said, like, sternos burn clean. That's their whole deal. They're made for burning indoors, mm -hmm. you know. But having a couple of sternos on a table beneath, like, a chafing dish in a ballroom yeah. is different than having four sternos in one place in an 8 by 16 greenhouse. Yeah. So we started getting a little paranoid. Like There's we could smell. smell something coming off of them, maybe getting a little lightheaded, but very possibly just, you know, right. uh, psychological. So Amy got the can and it does say to use in a ventilated area. It does area. say use in a ventilated area. It doesn't say anything about indoor, outdoor, unfortunately, yeah. for all the fine print. But we went ahead and opened up our so floor. So we cracked the windows. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And blew two of them out and it still stayed very comfortable in here yeah i wish that we could have left them if not overnight because they, they burned for four hours i think four and a half yeah um so it would have been nice if we could have kept them burning when we went to sleep because you know i wouldn't be worried about the fire they were inside of a giant yeah. cast iron dutch oven like mm -hmm. that wasn't going anywhere yeah but with the fume issue we decided eh, and probably no not great to track it exactly yeah, yeah. so we, we blew them out after mm -hmm. i don't know like one hour or something yeah. we didn't really do the experiment very long because we started getting kind of like i don't know i started feeling a little shifty about it like yeah. it wasn't quite a healthy thing mm -hmm. to do shifty but not dizzy right no, just I mean, like paranoid right? yeah so. and we had to open all of the windows to ventilate it which mm -hmm. then cut down on the heat retention a little bit so that wasn't yeah. that wasn't felt sort of pointless in a sense but it was real effective. It worked yeah. right away. All in all, I'd say, you know, don't do it in a tent. But yeah. if you want to take your life into your own hands <laughs> and you're really cold, um, try a sterno in a cooking pot in yeah. an enclosed space sometime. <laughs> oh, God. And let us know how it goes. <sighs> we, we ch <laughs> It was frustrating that we couldn't get a full picture read. Like, we couldn't find online anywhere what the actual off gases are right so sternos burn al or alcohol right yeah. they're gel alcohol mm -hmm. um which is which usually is co2 and water vapor i and think not carbon monoxide yeah or like negligible amounts of but everything that monoxide. burns produces some amount of carbon monoxide i'm not sure um but i think i think that's what it comes down to carbon dioxide's not great you know you can if if we 
are in a 3000 ppm environment, which is like 10 times atmospheric concentration, um, likely to have some, some bad times. <laughs> but I think it'd, it'd be hard to get up to that concentration with sterno. With just a sterno, yeah. Or four sternos is the case. Or four sternos. Yeah, carbon dioxide is always a risk with anything that combusts, but it's the carbon monoxide that you really look out for. Right, right, with right. Like charcoal, I think is one of the worst things. You yeah, and we we try not to use the the stove, the propane stove inside the greenhouse either. I mean, certainly never ever with the door closed, but even with the door open, we've shifted to right. cooking outside instead because it just doesn't feel like a great idea mm-hmm. to cook with a propane stove in a greenhouse, even if the door is open. Yeah. So yeah. What are your thoughts on our our heating experiments? One, somewhat effective, incredibly complicated. Mm -hmm. One, extremely simple, extremely effective, but maybe kind of sketchy. Yeah, you hit it. It's it's a little embarrassing how well the Sterno one worked. (laughs) And the the in-floor heating certainly has its own risks. So, you know, they're not, one isn't inherently better than the other. Um, I'm glad we did them both because yeah. it's all about experimentation, especially in this first quasi structure right. um, that we throw as many things at the wall as we can yeah. and hopefully like we're comfortable too. And I think, well, I can't speak for you, but I'm, I'm fairly comfortable in the greenhouse now. Yeah. I would say that it's still not super comfortable to hang out in at night. Um, like right now it's about four o'clock and it's probably like, can you read the thermometer across the room? It's like 50? 57. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, I'm chillier than it feels like 57 that ought to be. That might be a one. I'd have to get up. It doesn't matter. Okay. Um. Anyway, the point is it's still not going to raise the temperature to like a normal indoor living space, you know? Right. However, the difference between sleeping in 30 and sleeping in 44 mm-hmm. is immeasurable well it's 14 degrees it's very measurable it's measurable <laughs> but but, but like i, I wasn't cold tolerable. at all it's nope. the difference between like sleeping through the night and not or waking up just miserable and having to spend yeah. the first few hours of the day warming up right we did no we didn't add more during the night on the witching new year's hour eve. on new year's eve yeah, yeah i think we threw a couple so yeah, we got up at midnight, um, mm-hmm. had some champagne, and I think just threw a couple charcoal briquettes. Right. Oh um, yeah, we didn't mention that. In addition to the embers from the fire, we threw a couple of charcoal briquettes yeah. around the coil too, just in hopes that they would burn slower. Probably a better way to do it. Yeah, they burn slow and hot, last yeah. a long time. Right. So yeah, that's another one where I wouldn't feel too bad about buying a couple bags of charcoal. Um, for that express purpose. Yeah. Some people use a whole bag of charcoal just to like grill up some burgers, you right. know? Right. But, you know, this is all to to prove concepts for future structures. Yeah. We only need to get it so comfortable here in the greenhouse mm-hmm. because we're actively working on the yurt site now, right? Yeah. And once we have an insulated living space that's going to change everything because to an extent there's only so much you can do with the greenhouse because it's all going to escape out the windows Mm -hmm. anyway you know it's it's not designed to be a living space it's a non-insulated greenhouse so it's good to prove the concept and to make this place livable for me during the Mm -hmm. night 
But when it comes to the next iteration, the yurt, it's just going to be a totally different ball game. Yeah. And eventually in the yurt, so we're, like I mentioned, we're getting insulation for the yurt. Hell yeah. <laughs> that's the main thing we're missing here in the greenhouse. Floors, walls, ceiling. Yeah. Right? Yep. So we'll put in our own insulation yep. in the floor. And we provide the floor, insulation in the floor. Pay to upgrade our uh, yurt for wall and roof insulation yeah and then we're thinking maybe at some point we'll get a wood stove yeah to properly heat the the yurt from the inside um but you know one thing at a time yeah i mean we're... we do need a design for it yeah so we briefly talked about whether we want it now that we've proven this concept in the greenhouse with the in-floor heating mm -hmm. if that's something that we want to build into the yurt yeah um but we decided not to did we we well, discussed it. I we don't know if we reached we consensus yet. I thought the way that we ended the discussion was by saying that like everything doesn't need to have everything. Mm -hmm. You know, every it's great that we proved the concept and we know how to do it for the next time we do want to do it. Yeah. But that the yurt will be insulated and have a wood stove and that's going to be its thing. And we don't need to have in-floor heating on the yurt because we have other plans for heating the yurt yeah i can live with that and it's just an extra many steps and mm -hmm. expense yep. to buy all the materials to put all of that in there for something that we might even not use that if we're gonna get yeah. a wood stove anyway right. which i think we should because if that's going to be more of a real living space mm -hmm. i think a more effective method yeah. than the in-floor heating is probably needed lots of rugs insulation mm -hmm. stove Lots of like a couch and bedding <laughs> and yeah, a lot of thermal mass in there. Right. I think you're right. But yeah, it's been very interesting thinking about heating and learning lessons about primitive DIY off the grid yeah. heating. Yeah, we made some headway in this trip and it hasn't been, it's been really cold. The rain's been holding off for the most part. We got spat on a few times. Yeah, it rained this afternoon. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we're we're making headway on the weather and on having a little more comfort up here. Yeah, it really is crazy how much the season changes this place. Like I said a few months ago, this was just this was a hundred degree tinderbox. This place, mm -hmm. you know, everything was bone dry. Everything was scorching hot. The greenhouse was a sauna yeah there's nowhere you could go to cool off you could sit in the car and blast the ac right we but, did that for the dogs mm -hmm. but now it's the opposite now everything is cold and damp uh, and that's a whole different set of challenges yeah. to deal with mm -hmm. you can try to stay one season ahead but you can only do as much as you can yeah that's all there really is all we ever have is now <laughs> And on that note, happy 2021. Um, thanks for hanging in there. Thanks for hanging in there throughout that last difficult year. Things aren't magically going to get better this year, but they'll non-magically get better if we all try really hard. <laughs> Maybe not, but we can try to make them better in our own little worlds. Yeah, I read this quote today was um, when we were down in town that, you know, I don't believe that you know, New Year's changes anything, but every day is a new opportunity. Right. And that is true. That's powerful. Every day is a new year. Yeah. Yeah. You have any new day resolutions? <laughs> oh, always trying to live more in the moment. Always trying to worry less. Yeah. 
trying to get back into studying Buddhism for that reason, mm-hmm. but it's not in my nature. So you have to you have to try hard up until the moment of being in the moment, and then you have to stop trying at all. And that is the lesson of Buddhism. It's not easy, like forcing yourself to sit down for meditation or to like disengage from whatever your monkey mind is doing. That takes effort. But the second that you engage that effort, you have to let it go. Yeah. It's complicated. <laughs> it's hard. It's, it's a lot harder if you think about it. Most things are. So don't overthink it, people. <laughs> Be present. Love thy neighbor. All that good stuff. All that good stuff. All right. Love well, you. we'll check in next time when Vince has spent more time on the property and let you know what else we did up here. For words. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Sorry, I didn't know we were going.